It sounded like someone was like drying off a walrus. Yeah. Uh, that's what I was doing. I'm sorry. Uh, we can start the podcast now. Okay. Uh, I'm B Natural. Oh, I'm uh, I, uh, I forgot my name. Haha, <laughs> just kidding. It's better. I'm Mustard. I'm Stir. This is an Animorphs book club podcast. We read the Animorphs, we talk about the Animorphs, one book per episode. Most of us are Arists, which means we have never read the Animorphs books. Uh, Binational here is the War Prince, which means she has read all of the Animorphs books. And so, now we're just going to talk about them. Guys, we are over a sixth of the way done. Yay. Yay. This is one thing where I haven't, like, looked at it as a task that I need to finish. I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying it, yeah. I think I'm going to be sad when you finish them. Alright. Book 10, The Android. There's an android in this book. This book book was actually about an android. This was by far the best title. I I, I have to agree. And it, like, didn't spoil too much, because, as it turns out, there's not just one android, there's multiple androids. So it, 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 like... Actually makes sense, and it doesn't give away too much. Why don't you read off the summary before we get a little bit more into it? So I'm I'm gonna summarize the book. I'm gonna try to do it quickly. It'll probably take like over five minutes, though. Uh, okay, uh, Every time I get bored, I'm gonna make a spontaneous noise so that it'll this will both encourage you to speed up and make the summary more entertaining. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, so this is book six, the end, not book six. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, this is book ten, the android. Uh, then an elevator takes them down into this huge, bright, open chamber about the size of a football field, filled with grass, trees, streams, flowers, and some small wildlife like squirrels and butterflies. And also there are about a dozen androids and hundreds of dogs of all different kinds. So now, this time, uh, humans were starting to create cities and plant crops now. Uh, uh, What's wrong with my summary? It's too slow. Too slow? like 10 minutes talking about how big the basement is. (laughs) Mustard, you spent like... I mean, I would have described... Yeah. What What would you have described? I wouldn't have been like, there's an underground park, there's small wildlife in the park, there's trees, there's a dozen androids, there's dogs, lots and lots maybe, of dogs. Maybe I'll be recorded better somewhere, who knows? Okay, who knows? Uh, this is book 10, The Android. Jake and Marco morph into dogs to go to a concert. When there, Marco sees a kid from school named Eric King passing out flyers for the sharing. Eric doesn't smell at all, which is weird, because all humans smell when you're a dog. The next day, while flying around, they see Eric King being bullied, and he accidentally runs into a bus. When that happens, they notice that Eric's body looks like a robot for a split second. So they realize that Eric is an android, and his human skin is just a hologram. The Animorphs decide to have Marco and Axe morph into spiders and spy on the sharing to see what's up with Eric. While there, they can see through Eric's human hologram with their spider eyes. Then a crow picks up Marco and flies away with him. After Marco escapes, he lands right in front of Eric, halfway between morphing from spider to human. Eric tells Marco that he's an ally to the Andalites and asks all the Animorphs to come to his house. They decide to listen to Eric and visit him. Eric takes them into his basement, which is actually a huge open underground area filled with androids and dogs and stuff. Eric says that he is a chi, 
an android created by an ancient, super-advanced alien race called the Pemelites. The Pemelites all died out a really long time ago, but when the Chi moved to Earth and started pretending to be human, they put the essence of the Pemelites into wolves, which created the dogs we know today. Eric also tells the Animorphs about the Pemelite crystal, which is a really advanced crystal computer thing that Eric wants to use to reprogram himself, because the Chi are all programmed to not be violent, despite being very, very strong. Most of the Chi are against this idea of changing the programming, but Eric wants to help the animals fight the Yurks. So the animals break into a Yurk facility where the crystal is, morph into spiders and bats and stuff, and get the crystal. Inside the building, they run into like 50 human and Hork-Bajir controllers with guns. All the animals almost die at the end, Marco passes out, but once they get the crystal, Eric is able to reprogram himself with it, and he kills everyone in like 10 seconds in a super violent massacre. Even though the Animorphs won the fight, it was a very traumatizing experience to everyone, including Eric. So Eric decides to never fight again, but he will still help the Animorphs by giving them information and stuff. The Animorphs want to get rid of the crystal, so Jake goes to the beach, and then his dog takes the crystal and drops it in the ocean. Okay. Uh, so everyone, everyone gave this book a thumbs up. Uh, this book was, like, a good book, and it had some cool things in it. It wasn't the most fun to read or anything. I'd say it was a solid book. It was like an average good book. Um, I liked it about as much as The Alien, which I thought was okay. I like. I was not having a great, awesome time reading this book like I did have it reading The Alien, which is my favorite book so far. But it wasn't like a slog. I mean, I guess it was a little bit of a slog. Just, it was the slightest bit of a slog, but not really. It was definitely a slog more towards the beginning, but like towards the end it picked up. During the beginning, I was like, yeah, this book is not fun to read. And then, yeah, closer to the end, it's like, oh yeah, this, this book's good. During the beginning, I was like, wow, this book has spiders in it. And then near the end, I was like, yeah, this is fine. Yeah. I know I know that, uh, Stir, I know you cut out. <laughs> you had to cut out the cover of your PDF. <laughs> you just hate spiders so much. Just just the big ones. Just the, just, okay, wolf Stop spiders. How much you hate spiders, okay? You hate wolf spiders. spiders aren't spiders. Wolf spiders don't even have webs. What's wrong with webs? Wait. I like, I, I like the, the webs are cool, but wolf spiders just run up and eat stuff. And that's creeps me out more i think this cover kind of sucks anyway though so you're not really missing out on anything i i, I am missing out on the side stuff that you're talking about the uh what you call yeah. it neck spine spine the feet what's wrong with the cover <laughs> it has an absolutely ugly color scheme looks like ketchup and mustard and there's also this but the, it looks like ketchup and mustard but there's but the, you know it looks like Mustard, who we all know is the most ugliest member of the Inverse Book Club podcast. That's, That's true. Lie. What? <laughs> anyway, let's talk about this book. So uh, Marco got a haircut. I don't want to keep talking about how horrible this cover is. I mean, I'm just saying the color scheme is like ketchup and mustard, but Marco isn't morphing into a delicious hamburger or a plate of fries. He's morphing into a big hairy spider, and that just doesn't go well. When you know, I see this cover and I think ketchup and mustard, delicious. And then I scroll down and I see the spider. I'm like, gosh, shoot! You know, you got me all hungry, and I'm just now I'm looking at the spider, and I don't want to eat a spider. This is a bad cover. I didn't spend much time looking at the cover because I don't like spiders. So, also the orange clouds on against black in the background look like some kind of nightmarish hellscape. Hellscape, yeah. Which might be appropriate for the spider, I guess. But then Marco is, yeah, it's just awful. <laughs> this is a bad cover. Yeah, so Marco got a haircut. Um, I'm, st- I'm kind of wondering if, like, just the guy who played him got a haircut, or the guy the model they used for the covers did, so they had the applicate kids, or like right around that. I don't know if this is the same model. 
Yeah, I was wondering about that too. Where like, so Mako has a haircut, and all throughout the book, everyone's making fun of how bad his hair looks. Um, and I'm wondering, like, man, I feel bad for the kid who's the model because the whole time Cabblegate's just making fun of his hair. Wow, I didn't think about that, but I guess so. But on the other hand, like, I just don't associate these models with the characters at all, like in, in any way, because uh, they already like the covers are total bullshit compared to like the actual events of the book and how morphing works. So I just don't associate the models with the characters at all. Anyway, so I don't, I'm like, yeah, that guy, there, there's a dude turning into a spider. I don't like the image of uh, his head sinking down into his crotch, but that's morphing for you, I guess. Sorry. Um, my brother would definitely hate this cover because he doesn't like when red and yellow are put together. He says it makes him feel thirsty. Hmm. Oh, and how is that a bad thing? I don't like the sensation of being thirsty. Oh, yeah, then you go get water, and then it's like even better. Thirsty okay. for ketchup? You, you, you haven't ketchup. Have tap water. No, he, it's it's just like reminds him of being all hot, like in the desert or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. So not not a nice quenchable thirst. No, not like oh, this this is gonna make me want to go out to McDonald's and then drink some soda pop. This cover is like having a nice Coca-Cola in my hand. I don't like Coca-Cola. Marco's hair. Sorry for interrupting you to keep talking about the cover. Yeah, in, in like the first sentence of the book, it mentions that Marco got a haircut. And at first I was like, hang on, so did Capelgate just like quickly add that because the, the model got a haircut or changed to a different kid? She was like, oh shoot, his hair is shorter. But also like, it's, it keeps being brought up like over and over again in the book. It's like this running joke that Marco got a haircut and no one likes it. Yeah, I I was like fine, whatever. That's I mean I I I enjoyed the joke. It, yeah, I liked seemed, it. Like, it seemed like just the kind of joke people would make of a group of friends, a group of middle school friends would make. Uh, I like the part where Axe says like Marco, I notice, I know I notice you have changed somehow. I notice your hair might be shorter. Are you suffering from some kind of illness? Yeah, yeah, Marco, Marco something happened like, to your hair. I believe it has become shorter. Are you suffering from some sort of illness? Yeah, I believe it has become sure. He doesn't want Axe. I love Axe. Axe doesn't want to overstep his bounds or like assert something too much. But he doesn't know for sure. So he's just like, I believe it might have become shorter. Yeah. And then Marco gets mad and he's like, What did I say something wrong? Marco's like, That is it. Uh, yeah, I, I think this is one of Axe's best books. Huh? Really? I like Axe's character in this book a lot. Axe didn't do much in this yeah, book. Axe didn't do much in this book. Yeah, but the stuff he did do was awesome. What did he do? Cut people's hands off and said that thing to Marco and talked about zero space and oh zero space. I will. I guess we'll get to that. Uh, zero space is a thing that exists independently of Axe. No, but he like talked about it in this. And it made yeah. him all totally mysterious, and I like that Axe. Okay. I don't care about the eating popcorn off the floor Axe. I can. Dude, I, can do I think. I think this is like the only book where he doesn't cut somebody's hand off unless I'm missing something. Uh, he does He does slice stuff, but I don't think it's specifically mentioned. It doesn't mention specifically mention that he cuts somebody's hand off. <laughs> this might be like the only book where he doesn't cut anyone's hand off. Anyway, uh, let's talk about the concert, I guess. Alright, so Jake, Jake and Marco want to go to a concert for free as dogs. Jake's like, no, it's a bad idea. We can't do this. And Marco's like, dude, it's going to have Nine Inch Nails and Delanis, Elanis. And I don't know Does he mean Alanis Morissette? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I've never like heard people just refer to her by her first name. Uh, she owns Alanis.com, so... Oh, All yeah. right. 
I don't really know about any of these bands. I know about I, I know about Nine Inch Nail, Nails only from reading these books. So I I didn't have any thoughts on them. Oh no, I, these are like my favorite bands from the nineties. I don't care about that much about Offspring, but the other two I like a lot. Alanis and Nine Inch Nails are great. Offspring, I don't really care about, but Jake cares about them. Jake's like, "Wow, really? Offspring's gonna be there? Oh, I gotta go now." Is Offspring a real one, a real band. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, 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 I feel like they brought it up like it was a made-up band because like they they were like oh and also Offspring. No. Okay. Marco's very obsessed with being cute. Yeah, Marco's like, dude, I I turned into this dog. Dude, chicks are gonna be all over me. I'm gonna get pet so much. Hopefully, yeah, he hot wants too. I hope the hot. He wants hot chicks to heavily pet him and rub his tummy. Mm-hmm. I feel like this book did not have. All the good Marco qualities that Book Five had. This had a lot of more bad Marco qualities, I think. I don't know if it. I don't know if it had any bad Marco qualities, but it just the narration wasn't as eccentric and fun as the last Marco book. Book Five, the whole time I was like, "This is great. I love Marco in this book." And this was like, "Yeah, it, this seemed more like a standard Marco that we've seen, like any other person narrating the book." But Book Five was like, it was the whole time I was like, "Yeah, I'm loving Marco in this book." I, there were a few moments where I was like, "Yeah, I love how Marco. I love. I love how Marco words things." But most of the time, it was just pretty average. Well, in this book, he literally says that he like he like spies on girls through the window as he's a hawk. That's true. He he said a lot of creepy things in this book. I don't know. I thought it was. I wasn't opposed to it. I thought it was like. I mean, it sounds like a thing that. A middle schooler would do if he could turn into a hawk and a dog. <laughs> and, and he's probably just joking around. Like, I mean, yeah, hawk. exactly. I didn't really see it as creepy because he's just a child. So it's like, I don't know. It was funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought it was funny that Marco was like, I mean, I I laughed when Marco was like, yeah, I was trying to look at girls through the window. I thought I saw this one hot girl through the window while I was uh, an owl, but Cassie wouldn't let me look at her. <laughs> Oh, I want to read the first like sentence of this book, because um, yeah, the first page is all over the place in this book, and that's the first time it really that really happens. I like the, the first like paragraph of this book is like classic Marco. My name is Marco. People call me Marco the Magnificent, Marvelous Marco, the Amazing Marco, and of course all the girls just call me Gorgeous. And then he's mm-hmm. like, oh, that was a lie, but whatever. I, I I didn't notice anything really pop out about the first page of this book. It was classic Marco. It was. Good. I was so incredibly bored by the time I got like to the end of the first page because then he's going into the, all the the whole exposition spiel. Yeah, this has some of the longest exp- exposition in the whole series. I, think. I don't know if it's the longest, but it was like I was very very tired of it. So uh, at the concert, uh, Marco and Jake are dogs, and they run into some hippies that pet them. Uh, this book also has more. Finally, it's been like five books since we've had some. Tell descriptions. I felt it just sort of spurt out of the base of my spine. And he goes, ew, or something like that. <laughs> he goes, ew. Yeah, Marco's, Marco, like, most of his body changes before his fur starts to grow, which is, like, a gross image. I like the way Marco describes the spurting of the tail, and then he subsequently says, ew. Uh, uh, all but, I feel like this, this, this is uh, all but confirms our theory that it comes out of his butthole. No, I thought no, it definitely no, discounted no. his theory. It just looks gross. Is it, is when something it... comes out of your butthole, do you say "ew"? No, you yeah. say "ah." Every, every time I poop, I say "ew." <laughs> Man, <laughs> I feel like I'm used to it at this point. 
during the expo- I think it's during the exposition, uh, Monko just started describing Cassie, and he's like, yeah, Cassie doesn't subscribe to Teen or YM. She's much more likely to buy a magazine like Smelly Animals of America, uh, you know, the kind of magazine that would have articles like How to Give Suppositories to Raccoons or Let's Examine Owl Vomit. Yeah, I like that part. I like relating. Old of Castlegate to mention the word suppository. Yeah, well, I mean, kids, kids will know what it is, and if they do, they'll like ask the hey, parents. Is, is the suppository a thing you deliver up the butt? Yeah, yeah. Okay. like I remember, like uh, I think it was like in like episode four or some five or something. Uh, you made uh, be natural. You made a joke where you were like, "Oh yeah, Cassie." Uh, J- Jake's like, "Oh, Cassie, can you please take a photo of you giving an animal an enema? That'd be pretty cool." Like, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah. <laughs> Here's like something pretty similar. It's like actually in the book. And then Marco says, uh, she really likes Jake, as in likes. Actually, <laughs> she and Jake like each other. Why is that There's important for no the book? Too, I, love, I love this part, though. I love this part because he says, although neither of them will admit it, of course, the only time they'll act that way is when we're about 12 seconds away from doing something insanely dangerous. Then they'll kind of give each other these pathetic, sad looks. It's so lame. <laughs> it is so lame. Thanks for pointing out, Marco. Thank you, Marco. I'm glad Marco is the same shit to Notice, you. Notice he doesn't have anything bad to say about Rachel and Tobias' romance. Well, did, well, well that one isn't as official yet. Yeah. But do, do they even know that Rachel and Tobias are like watching hot movies together at night? Do Rachel and Tobias even know that they like each other? Yes, they do. No, but like, like Tobias just like goes to Rachel's house and watches movies and reads books. I don't even know if the rest of them even know that they're seeing each other more often than they think. Cassie knows that because she said it in the last book. Oh, she did. Okay. Oh yeah. I mean, but Mark, Marco might not. I guess we haven't had another description of the the number of Rachel's teeth. Oh I yeah, yeah. Too. Yes, me so, too. So, do they just retcon like? From the first eight books, her having her normal modern teeth, they said, okay, retcon that. Now she has inhuman, too many teeth. <laughs> yeah. this, this book, it says she has, quote, far too many bright white teeth. <laughs> yep. And the last book said she has, what, 10,000, I think? Yeah, 10,000. So they're definitely being, this is definitely a change in the number of teeth, that the rest of the characters are just not really uh, giving much mind. Well, yeah, but they're finally starting to notice. Like, man, Rachel, that's a lot of teeth. <laughs> I, yeah. I, that this is all on the same page. The the magazine and the like likes and the teeth. This is on one page. And I took so many notes just on page nine. I, I, yes, me too. Actually, yeah, I, you guys say you don't like the exposition, but it's, sometimes it's good stuff like this. And when Marco does it, yeah. Because this is an exposition about the aliens. This is just him talking about his stupid friends. That's that's way better than saying, "Oh, yuck, 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 yuck." They look like gray slugs. They're about two inches long. Like tapeworms, they crawl into your brain and they wrap around every nerve and they tap into your mind. Then you are a controller. You are not a human anymore. You are a controller. Prince landed and gave us the power to morph, to touch an animal and then become the animal. Boing alert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm going for. I think this book had one of the best first scenes we've seen ever. Because it actually like was completely related to the plot. Yeah, that's concert. It was. Oh yeah. yeah. Concert, they saw the they were dogs and they saw the android for the first time. Or they, they smelled they, they like noticed that someone smells weird. This chapter also had a really good uh point that just shows how like uh stupid the animorphs are sometimes. It's like, man, how are we gonna find this person's phone number? Uh we could like infiltrate a share we could meeting, we could like 
look for clues. Uh, we could like hack into c- computer security. And then Cassie says, why don't we just use a phone book? And then they all look at her dumb and they're like, oh, yeah, okay, let's just grab a phone book. Yeah. I like that part. This only has one chapter that you really could get rid of, I think, besides like the, not including the meetings. Uh, uh, what, what chapter is that? Well, yeah, like Marco's uh, dad is talking about his mom. Like that could have just been in a different book. I, yeah, that was, I that was that nice exposition. Um, yeah, it was good, but that I, was like no, the only part. Perfect. Yeah, it was good, but that was like the only part that um, that that like wasn't tied to the plot. It didn't have yeah, like. It was. I mean, yeah, it really... didn't need it. It wasn't like it wasn't moving the plot forward. It was just like kind of. I would say yeah. I kind of expected Marco's dad to be a bigger part of this book than it was than he was. But it did reveal stuff about Marco's dad. But like the previous book had like, yeah, like eight chapters. I mean, in the, a row. the part about his mom like helped give him motivation for doing this. I was yeah. fucked. Marco's dad, like, not being a huge part of the plot because it was already like, oh, look, he just so happens to be getting a job at the military this exact time when they also need to be infiltrating the military for other reasons, how convenient. So I didn't really need it to be, like, piling on, like, oh, look, it's, we, got a, we got a yerk with your dad's name on it. We're going to confess to him the same day that you're going to get the crystal. Oh, no. Well, yeah, I'm just saying it's a lot better than the previous book that had, like, ten whole chapters that had nothing to do with yerks. Pee-wee's book? Huh? The previous. previous. Book. Oh, I was like, when did Pee Wee become <laughs> a narrative book? Also, I thought it was cool how like almost every book was like stupid, like where they stop Burley's animal views or something. And in this book, it kind of had that, but it was also very related to the plot. And it was also not at the beginning; it was like halfway in the book, where uh, these bullies are messing with Eric King, and then Tobias like stops them, and and it reveals more, like that he's an android or whatever, and like. It was it was similar to the beginnings of the other books where they're like stopping people messing with someone, but uh, it, it was yeah. it wasn't beginning, so it was better. Mm-hmm. No, I'm wondering how the android cloaking technology is so bad that like he just walks into a wall and then it reveals himself for like a whole second, and then people see him. Like how how have... just a split second? Okay, how have none of them been found found out if like they just. Like walk into something and then they're cloaking wait hold on are you saying that the bus was standing still i thought it was a moving bus yeah but it didn't hit him head on i would have been like only a hawk would have seen that anyway because it was so short but yeah that is dumb because that's just a stupidly convenient way for them to find out for sure that he's a robot like they could have they could have had way better ways these things have apparently have been on earth for like thousands and thousands of years and they've never been found out but then this this guy runs into a bus accidentally and it reveals himself for a little bit. It didn't seem that weird to me when I first read it, but now that you explain it like that, yeah, it does sound worse. I mean, the boat, no, no, no humans notice, just the animorphs who are hawks notice. Okay, the 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 book says, "quote for just a second. So it's at least according to Marco, it was, it was a full second. After that, it says split second. So I think maybe he was just using second as just a, a phase. I don't know. Okay, so. Uh, I feel like it wasn't a literal second. That's a very so it's a, it is a metaphorical second. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he saved it to the broad side. Okay. I just think there are cooler. There are cooler ways it could have been revealed that he was a. At this point, by this point, they've already gone spider and like seen that he's his robot leg. So like, I don't think. Have what? Have no, that, that happens later. It does. Yeah. yeah. At this point, they just smelled him. Oh. Okay. Well, that. But, but they, still, have... they, they already knew he was weird. Like they could have just like. Yeah. I mean, X could have been like, yeah, the only thing that like, doesn't have a, or Cassie could have been like, the only thing that doesn't have a scent would have to be a non-living thing, and then X could have been like, oh, some robots can have holograms. Like, we didn't need to have a scene where bullies chase him, and then he 
just so happens to run into a bus just as they're watching him. Yeah. Uh, whatever. I, I just realized that like this part kind of revealed like he didn't fight back like so that kind of showed like oh yeah these these androids are like peaceful. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, what kind like, of nerd who's getting chased by bullies is going to try to fight back? He just didn't run. Yeah, I feel like the, the, there could have been something done with that, but I just, I just realized like oh that was kind of related. I don't know. That's true. No, do you think Chi would be able to like do trolley problems? Would they be able to pull the lever and redirect the train to the tracks that'll kill fewer people? I think they just wouldn't pull it. Yeah, I don't think they could do it without pulling it. The, the, without pulling it, the train will kill more people. But yeah, but they prefer to not interfere at all. At all. It's true. Yeah. I mean, every day lots of things are happening that are going to kill people that that Chi can't do anything about. So it's not like. For them, they wouldn't be like they really have a choice there. I know, like it's not that they prefer not to; it's that they can't. Yeah. Right out of this book. Well, they, they can they can let people die, which is what basically what the trolley problem is doing. It's if you let people die or if you do something about it. So yeah, there's that. Yeah, that's something I was wondering about. Like at the so it's established that they're incredibly strong. Like he, like Eric's dad is not really his dad; he's pretending to be his dad. But he pins down Rachel as a bear easily. Into a headlock. Yeah. Like a half Nelson kind of thing. And Eric, once he's reprogrammed himself to be able to do violence, he's able to kill, like, you know, 40 people in, like, 10 seconds. Which means he's just, he has to be really fast. So I'm wondering, like, wouldn't they, would they not be a huge asset in battle, even if they couldn't kill, just by, like, pushing the controllers aside and... Like just, just they could, they could, they could, pro- they could, uh, they could run, run through an army of controllers, and if Eric is so fast, he could probably push them all aside or push a lot of them aside as they're going through, so that they wouldn't have to fight as many. Yeah, you could just wear one of these guys' armor, and they could like hold your body together and make sure it doesn't get sliced open. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe they will do that. Who knows? Yeah. Also, the fact that they have holograms is like a huge. Oh yeah, like they didn't hologram like any. They didn't hologram Yurks running around. It's basically just like magic. Yeah, they can hologram a Yurks in the pool. So why did not just hologram a Yurk into his head? Why does he need to have? Eric King has a Yurk in his head because he's able to use that Yurk, and he he was able to take the memories of the Yurk. Um, so then he's able to disguise with the uh, controllers. Got it. Okay, yeah, we're gonna talk about how messed up that was. That's awesome. Oh uh, yeah, let's go more more detail on this because I didn't really bring that much up into the summary so like he took a york trapped it inside his brain with like steel wires and just left it there to do to, to rot and he just feeds it his own candonaves that he makes that's another thing if the yurks get a hold of the cheese of the chi who can apparently like just make candrona in their little bodies then also the anamorphs are in huge trouble well but the chi are too strong for them so not really yeah. i mean i don't know there's a million yurks also the chi can't be controlled well, if they got them and were able to take them apart and, like, find out what part of them makes Kendrona. I don't think oh. they could take them apart, though. I think they're too strong. Like, I mean, if, if ten humans... And well, they're really strong, 24... but they're not invincible. Investors, we can morph into a big, fat monster and probably crush one of them. I don't think anything that he has should crush them. If really? Are you going to make an assumption about everything he owns? Yes. <laughs> All right. Okay, maybe that big rock thing that he washed in book two and then never used again. Oh, Visitor 3 wasn't even in this book at all. Yeah, it's awesome. It's true, it wasn't. This is the book that doesn't have Visitor 3. Also, yeah. there's this, like, Yurk general type person who 
is like commanding a you know commanding troops of humans and Horkujir, who she gets to and she gets them to fight the animorphs at the climactic end battle. Who's like, oh, I'm I'm so cool and I'm gonna report things to Visor Three and I'm gonna and I'm gonna ascend so many levels in the Yurks and ha 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 and then she dies. Yeah, and 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 all she did was like, yo, fight. She was just like leading people. It was cool. I I mean I I'd like to see more characters like this that are like just. Not Visor Three, but Yurks who are in power but still below Visor Three. Exactly, it makes a lot more sense. It's just really cool because it's not Visor Three. Yeah, it is because I, I would. So I would like to see more of characters like this. Who I mean, you could put like you could give them like various aspirations. Like some of them could be like, yeah, I just want to get promoted so I have the power to like leave this stupid place so I'm not with Visor Three anymore or something like that. You could make some interesting stories with like various Yurks who are in who command other Yurks but are below Visor Three. Uh, can we talk about when uh, Tom and Mako are on a phone call? Yeah. So Mako calls Jake and Tom answers, and he has a conversation with controller Tom. And he tries to get, and Tom tries to get Marco to join the sharing, and he's like, oh, you should join with your dad. And then Marco just has this whole monologue about how angry he is at that. And I will read that now. The Yurks had taken my mother. They weren't getting my father. Before that happened, I'd tell him everything. Before I'd let that happen, I'd take Tom down, no matter what Jake said. I thought that was very interesting. So do you say that means that, like, uh, Marco would kill Tom? Marco would take Tom down no matter what Jake said. Out of, just out of rage. He said that, like, he, he, he admitted it. And this made me think, like, I think Marco's actually, everyone talks about how, Cat, how great Cassie is, but I think Marco is actually the one who's most in touch with his emotions. He, doesn't, he just doesn't share his emotions with everybody else, but I think he, like, totally knows what's going on mentally with himself. Cassie's always having like one revelation, one change of heart after another. And Mark, I feel like Marco just like knows how he feels and how he'd react to different things because Mark, in the last book he narrated, Marco's like, sooner or later, we're all going to go completely insane. The other Animorphs haven't really said anything like that. And now here he's like, I would break, you know, our kind of code of honor and our Animorphs code and I'd kill Tom just because I'm so angry about my dad. Like, yeah, I'd do that. Yeah. That's crazy, dude. You're right. Uh, he would. He did. He was the only one who would say that about being crazy. I think. I think Marco is the new, the better Cassie. <laughs> hmm. Everyone's the better Cassie. Marco though. is the one who starts arguments, and Cassie's the one who's the peacemaker. Cassie doesn't know what the frick she thinks. She's she's not really in touch with her emotions, or maybe she's in touch with her emotions at the at that exact moment, but she really doesn't seem to know. Guys, we've answered enough about Cassie last episode. This is Marco's book. Yeah, all no right, more right. Cassie. I was really annoyed by how after he was on the phone with Tom, Marco was like, dude, Jake, your brother sucks. He's trying to get my dad to join the sharing and get his yoga slugs inside my dad. Jake, And, and then Jake's like, Marco, shut up. Because, you know, they, they're not allowed to talk about the plans over the phone because Yorks could be, like, any, like Tom could be listening on the other line or something. Uh, and so that was really dumb that Marco did that. But then after yeah. that, like, they still use like code words, and it's like, well, why are you bothering using code words now? We already like screwed up this call, like whatever. I don't know. I don't think. Well, Jake cut him off just before he said anything like a yerk. Did he? I don't think he said anything like incredible. I mean, okay. Well, Tom could, you know, Tom could pick up, but people could start and stop listening to the phone at any time. So that's not really. Yeah, Tom like walked away. So maybe he was like walking away and then grabbing the phone. How do you live with that? How do you look at that piece of crap every day? He's all like. Bring your dad to the sharing. Do a father-son bonding thing. And oh, by the way, would you mind if we stuck uh And then Jake cuts him off. 
It, it sounds like it sounds like Jake was just like Marco. My brother keeps trying to give my. I mean, yeah, Marco. My brother keeps trying to get me to join this stupid thing, and I don't want to do it. So it sounds like Marco is just like fed up by hearing about the sharing. Maybe. Yeah. Like, I don't want to join your stupid Boy Scouts thing. I don't want you to shove your Boy Scouts in my face. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. I I I've added and didn't interpret that, but now that I'm revealing it, yeah, he he didn't really reveal anything specific. More Marco anger. It was a sick feeling. It was sick and I knew it, and yet I ran those images over and over in my head. Rage is addictive, you know. I guess it's sort of like a drug. Anger and hatred get you high. They get you high, but like any addiction, they hollow you out and tear you down and eat you alive. I guess I knew all that. But all, but all I could think of was that they were not getting my father. So I ran the scenes of violence over and over in my head. I rode that rush of fury until at last it burned itself out and left me feeling empty and beaten. Yeah, I, I definitely can, feel, can understand like the... Um having like visions of like rage and like imagining like hurting other people and being violent. Yeah, Marco was Marco was talking about like images of hurting the Yurks. Yeah, he was like having like sadistic fantasies in his head. Thanks, Applegate. It's nice to know that other people do that too. Yeah, this, this is probably how I relate to Marco the least, I think. Yeah. Wow. I think in every other way I'm pretty similar to Marco. I I relate to that. I don't. I can see how you don't relate to that mustard. I, I relate to everything else Marco says though, just not the sadistic rage fantasies yeah i i like the part i mean i love the parts of the books where we we see like we see like how the kids are damaged oh yeah they're so damaged in this this book was damaging dude towards the end i was like holy crap this is dark and like eric is talking about like the things he did and like how he'll never forgive himself and blah 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 and then marco's like already i can feel myself starting to forget what happened today yeah and then yeah marco almost died in this book like almost, almost died. I'm, I'm still not entirely convinced that he just like, uh, passed out and like morphed back somehow. Was well, because they like they uh like gave him an electric shock or something. He he had a hole in his chest where he could see his organs. Eric had to like give him a. De- Eric had to like defibrillate him. So you had to give him a suppository to wake him up. I was gonna say that. You were. I was considering really. Not, I was really considering not saying it. I don't know what got into me. Oh, there's there's a really good Tobias part in this book, as there is in every book. Tobias is great. Uh, Rachel, I I don't remember the context of this at all. Um, but Rachel's like talking about how there, there's some like, cute small animals in the forest or something. She's like, yeah, there are these cute animals, and then Tobias is like, okay, fine, they're off limits. <laughs> oh yeah, everyone's just propping up Cassie's little delusion. So did you did you guys not love acts in this book? It wasn't the focus of the book, so I didn't pay attention to him as much. Oh, I know. I totally paid attention to him in this. This is, like, the way he shines, I think. There's, there's a part where, like... Just explaining things and not really expressing his personality too much, but just explaining sci-fi things? Wow. I think this book did get a lot better once Axe showed up, because the beginning, like we said, was really boring. No, no, there, there's a part where uh, Jake and Marco are both birds, and just talking bird smack to each other. And Jake's like, no, man, falcons are better. And Marco's like, no, Osprey should kick your falcon butt. And then Axe just says, excuse me, is there some kind of special meaning to this conversation I don't understand? And Marco's like, yeah, we're just babbling in a desperate effort not to think about fear. And that's that. Oh, I was going to talk about how um, this really cool thing that Mar- just, like when... um. Uh, Marco was supposed to be attacked by another bird, and Tobias was like, "Oh yeah, Marco, I would bank left really sharply in three, two, one." 
And then, like, I, I don't know, I thought that was cool that Tobias just, like, knew so much about being a bird that he, like, was just, like, a, calmly was like, yeah, Marco, get out of the way now, when another bird was trying to attack him. There's, there's that whole scene where Marco was like, man, flying is so great. Forget rollerblading and surfing. You should go flying instead, because it's so fun. And, oh, my God, God I'm gonna die. And then, yeah. uh, I, like, it's nice. And then he was like, yeah, I don't feel like flying anymore. Yeah, finally, like, one of the kids talking about how great stuff is actually go somewhere. Every other book is just, yeah, it's great, woo, screw going to school. Hey, kids, your life sucks because you can't do this. Ha 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 ha, wee. Then this one's like, ah, don't, you don't want to almost die like I did. Talking about this book, the moment, like, yeah, this book was really solid because I was, like, not complete. I, I was, yeah, it was average, good, to, good, good average. Um, But yeah, this book, there was, like, no really... There was like no issues with this book, really. Like, this was a good plot. I'll remember the plot of this book, but I don't. I can't say I'll remember a lot about like the 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 way it was written or anything. Yeah. I think uh, I think the uh, the way uh, Marco it just is like yes, sir, Tobias, I, I will dodge that thing. Kind of shows like that, like yeah, he like jokes around a lot, but he is definitely willing to follow orders without whining. He only like he pretty much only whines to fill up space if like. No one else is talking, or if he's afraid. But like, if he needs to, he will just follow orders without questioning it. Marco is yeah. definitely uh, one of the strongest characters at this point. Man, we hated him so much in book one and two. A lot of the characters are really good, and I was like surprised by that because I used to remember them being like, "Oh, the strong one, and the peaceful one, and the leader one, and the funny." I never one. hated Marco. I always thought he was funny. I mean, I never hated them, but I just like when I was thinking about rereading this, I didn't. I wasn't really thinking about. I didn't really remember the characters like this, you know? Like, I'm surprised at how dimensional they are. Yeah. I'm surprised how uh, d deep they are. Deep. I wonder if Fisher 3 will end up that way sometime. Yeah, okay. <laughs> they'd have to do a lot of work, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, let's talk about the Z-Space thing. Uh, that was another thing I really liked. With the, the, Just the way Axe explains it, I think, is fantastic. Like, he doesn't just say it. He's like... I, I, I just didn't think of this as a good Axe moment. I just thought of it as a good uh, lore moment, really. No, but it's the way Axe talks about it. How I have a... Well, Axe is just talking about it the way he talks about other stuff. I have the quote here. Would you like me to read it? I can read it. Okay. okay Axe says, uh, When you morph something smaller than yourself, your body mass must go somewhere. So it goes into zero space. Zero space is the space that ships travel through when they are going faster than light. It's not very likely to happen, but sometimes a ship traveling in Z-space will intersect with a temporarily perked mass. So someone else says, wait a minute, are you telling me that when we get small, all the leftover stuff, all the extra flesh and guts and bones go bulging into the space like some big balloon of human tissue? And Axe says, of course, where do you think all the mass went? So I think Jake says... Uh, so right now, there's a big bag of Jake floating in zero space. It's possible that some spaceship will zoom along and hit it and splatter it all over... And Axe says, no, no, of course not. And he says, no ship would actually hit a floating mass. The ship's shielding system would disintegrate the mass. That's what troubles me doing small morphs. It very seldom happens. The odds are millions to one, but it could happen. I wonder what would happen, like, if that happened and then you tried to morph back. Like, would you just, yeah. like, get to a certain size and then just stop? Yeah, I was wondering about that. I mean, the odds are millions to one, like mil millions with an S. I like I like thinking of uh, Axe as kind of superstitious. I can see this being something that you would never ever worry about, but like, you know, just thinking it could happen. Worrying about being struck by lightning or something. Yeah, 
I have a big question. What would happen though? Would you just get would you just like become if you tried to like morph back from a fly, would you just become a really tiny person? Oh, I didn't think about that, but yeah, that could happen. Well also or like could or could you pull NAS from like other but other 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 masses that are part. Yeah, that makes me wonder. Like, when you grow bigger than yourself, where does that mass come from? Yeah, that's never explained here. Yeah, I, I just wrote that question down in all caps. What happens when they grow? Like this this whole mass issue was never brought up, or like the mass has to go somewhere. So like, where does the mass come from when they grow? That this explanation doesn't make any sense in terms of that. Until well, maybe maybe it's like a bank where it's like oh, there's just oh, maybe there are so many people morphing around the universe at this point that it's like a bank and you can just pull the mass. You can just pull extra mass that's not in use currently from zero space. But like maybe there there could be like a big a big mass crash, like a like a big stock market crash where everyone tries to morph back into like their original form at once, but there's not enough mass for that to happen because some of it's been disintegrated. And then, and then a bunch of people start freaking out. Jeez. Complicated and late technology. Uh, also, I mean, that does. I mean, you do gotta think about the fact that there's like a massive Tobias tissue just sitting there, not being used. Just, by anybody. I was thinking about that too. I was like, well, Tobias's mass has been out there for a long time. So, like, maybe other people are using it to get bigger. Also, the fact. So, like, suppose that everybody in the universe can morph, and everyone morphs all the time. So. And so there's a lot of mass in the going in and out of Z space all the time. There's so much mass that, like, you know, mass is constantly being disintegrated by ships going by because there's just so much of it. That would mean that this morphing technology is doing something that no nothing else has been able to do in the universe, which is it is decreasing the, num- the amount of mass in the universe because it's disintegrating the amount of mass. It's, a, it's, de- no, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not like the mass is disappearing. It's just, like, spreading out into atoms. But then apparently it's unusable for the for more capable beings to pull to use it again. Oh, you're right. Do you think it starts like a radioactive? Whether or not maybe it still exists in zero space, I guess. But like either way, mass is ma- mass is the amount of mass in the our universe is disappearing due to morphing. Getting burned, like when you burn something, you you can't use it again. No, it just turns into atoms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, you're right. So, so, like, it has to be in the form of flesh. In that case, yeah. all right. I'm not, I'm not going to make any assumptions about zero space. Like, I was just going to say, like, maybe it's, like, real uh, outer space that we can go to. And in that case, that would destroy the flesh, definitely. But, like, maybe zero space is capable of keeping flesh flesh-like for a long time. Who knows? All right. Well, that was zero space. So, so Marco is talking about... Uh... Marco is worried about like uh get, getting hit by a, a spaceship or zero space or whatever, and he says a big wad of Marco in zero space, like hanging your butt out of a car window, waiting for a truck to come along and sideswipe it off. That was weird, dude. I mean, Marco is the kind of person who hangs butt out car windows, <laughs> waiting for it to get sideswiped his off. So not not, not but, just his arm. I've like heard like people like who grew up in this era just talking about how they used to just stick their butts out windows when their friends were driving by. Like to moon people? Yeah. Or right. bear butts? Yeah. yeah. Alright. That's rolled on a window. That's so pretty people did in the nineties. And Marco would do it, I think. Yeah. Wow, I bet Marco's already done it. Yep. But I like I like the image of like a truck just swiping someone's butt completely off. I don't like that image. Why do you like that image? You, there's no bleeding. You just end up with like a section of butt. Yeah. 
I used to be so thick, but then one day I was sticking my butt up. <laughs> yeah. Out the car window, and then I got all flat. And what a tragic story. It's it's like the one episode of SpongeBob. Uh, I guess I'll send a video, but something very similar happens. Oh, no. What? I mean, it's part, like this guy's butt sticking out, and then a, a, a vehicle comes by and swipes it off. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. The the Elastian Bullworm. It's a good video. Oh, it's a good video. Oh, good. Uh, it's a good title, too. The Elastian Bullworm ate this man's butt. Yeah. Hey, uh, so, uh... So that was Z-Space. So then Axe and Marco morph the spider. Mm-hmm. Marco, like, really... Marco seems like he's afraid of spiders, and he really doesn't want to morph spider. But for some reason, and Cassie's like more than willing to do it. For some reason, the animorphs decide to like make it make make it up to chance anyway, and not just not just put in the people who are willing to do it, but make sure make it so everybody has to have a chance of morphing the spider. I mean, my guess is that uh, Jake tried the whole drawing straws in the previous book and just liked it so much, and he thought, yeah, this is a good system. Let's do this every time. I can understand maybe being like, we need our team members to be willing to do anything, and you know, if we let one person kind of sit out on some uncertain things where I kind of have to let everyone do it, but I don't know. It seems like, it seems like the immediate risk to the mission here is, would be, would outweigh that benefit. If you get someone who doesn't like spiders to morph a spider versus someone who's okay with it, you know, your mission might not go so well. Well, but then Marco just like every time be like, yeah, I'd rather watch TV. So I'll just sit this one out. True. I mean, if it involves Marco turning into a gorilla, he's probably more likely to do it. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, when Marco first transforms into a spider, he has a lot of trouble, like, uh, keeping, con- uh, like, controlling the spider instincts, and he, like, starts trying to kill, like, a, a cricket or something. And the axe is like, Marco, stop, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, sorry. And then Marco says something about, I was like, oh, why wasn't I able to control the spider more for a while? Like, Axe did it, and this was his first time, too. And then he says something like, I wonder if maybe it's because I was I was emotional and I was like feeling angry from earlier. Sometimes the animal brain takes over for a while and sort of overwhelms the human mind, but that's not what was happening to me. I wasn't overwhelmed. I was just into it. That was pretty metal. I I like how there's a variety of ways the animal minds impact them. Like there's like in the last book, the termites was like, "Oh God, I'm in my mind, but I have no control over my body." It was basically like being a controller. With this, it's just like, yeah, I was just into hunting this beetle. I could I could have stopped I guess but I was just enjoying it. I thought it was interesting that like Marco's emotions at the time were like impacting his ability to like properly take control of the animal and like his his human emotions were were like were influencing how he was fighting or whatever. Not just taking control of the animal but he was leaning into its instincts. Yeah, yeah. He was like using the animal as an outlet. Yeah. 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 So then Marco and X, because they have spider eyes, can see through Eric's hologram and they see metal leg. I thought this was really cool because uh, I don't remember if it was actually in the recording or if we said it after we stopped recording. But uh, like last episode, we mentioned how like, oh, if they move into dogs, like will they be able to see TV screens? Like it'd be di- like different animals have different kinds of eyes and they would be able to see screens and stuff differently. And uh, I thought it was really cool that like this was an important part of the plot was using... The, the differences between human eyes and spider eyes specifically so they could see something that humans can't see, which is see, being able to see it through the hologram, which was programmed for 
I was kind of upset that they didn't have more of a plan except just being able to make sure that Eric was an android, though. Yeah, there was really no reason they had to do that. They basically already knew, like, he was a robot, so, like, I don't know why they had to, like, go, like, double-check by turning into spiders. Yeah, hang on. Could they not have... Could they not have, like, had the other one of the some of the other animorphs morph birds and just carry them as spiders to the place so that they wouldn't have to get almost stepped on and then eaten by a crow? They could have even had the other animorphs become like songbirds and just perch really close to where Eric is, and then they could have just held out Marco and been like, yo, what does he look like? Then they would have even been able to see his head. Well, I mean, it's a pretty big spider. What are you talking about? They can turn into a bird that can carry a big spider, like a crow. I like that when Marco is turning into a spider, he like doesn't know spider anatomy, so he just calls like something like bulging jaw parts. He's like, yeah, these bulging jaw parts came out of my face, and then something else happened. I like the description of Marco and Axe becoming spiders. Yeah, that was fun because he was like he was like really disgusted by it, and then suddenly his eyelids disappeared, and he's like, oh man, I wish I had eyelids. I don't, I don't look at this. Yeah, when he was like saying, "I closed my eyes," I, I was like, "Man, spiders can't close their eyes, can they?" He's not gonna like this. And then it happened, so I like. I, I wasn't even thinking about whether spiders can close their eyes or not. I just assumed that they could. Four new legs. I, I like the description of uh, legs suddenly exploded from my chest. Four new legs, two on each side, just shot out of me like I was a tube of toothpaste someone had stomped. They sprouted out all gu- all gumby, unformed, then began to for- form joints. Way too many joints. Yeah, that's really gross. I, I like I thought I that, that picture of him turning into a dog with no fur was way grosser. What? Okay, just turning for fleshy dog, that's gross. But to me, like, like arms coming out of you like toothpaste is just a disgusting image that's like... I kind of want to draw that. That sounds cool. Like, I like the idea of like liquid arms. I don't like imagining limbs coming out of humans. That would be epic. Dude, I want to draw, draw this description of Marco. It seems pretty cool. Like, Four new, four, two two legs on two legs on each of his chest, which is which look like Gumby's legs apparently, and don't have joints and are all like toothpastey. He's got eyes popping out of his forehead like zits. Yeah, I thought that was gross. I thought that was cool. Just because it made me think of zits. And, then, and he also has these bulging jaw parts, so he's basically got like a spider head. He's basically got a human with a spider face, and still with human hair. And like legs and putty legs coming out of him. That's pretty cool. Uh, they see the android, and then Axe is like, "Oh, he's an android." And Moko doesn't know what an android is. Like, is android a? Isn't that a common thing people know? It must not have been as common in the nineties because I was like, "Why doesn't he know what an android is?" I I don't know because I don't know. Maybe I, I feel like it. It was definitely common in the nineties. You got Blade Runner. You got yeah. Oh, that's true. I'm pretty sure there's androids in Star Trek. I haven't seen it, but like, it seems like androids. Like, okay, there's this part where Axe says a robot, a machine made to seem like a life form, as though it were just the most common idea in the world. I'm like, Marco, it like is. <laughs> Doesn't uh, Data in Next Generation call himself an android? Because Marco's definitely mentioned him before. I think I think they might have talked about androids before. It's not very creative of Caplegate to just use the word android. Also, Axe says that, like, the android doesn't look like a Yurk or an Andalite android. So apparently, like, there are androids, a- Andalites and Yurks have androids, which is pretty It'd be really cute if, it, if an android was in the shape of a Yurk. Maybe Axe was just saying it doesn't look like the kind of technology that Axe, that uh, Yurks would use if they made an android. Yeah, although, if, if Yurks can make androids, why are they even, like, a problem? If, if they can, can't they just use them as hosts? 
and put the Kindrona rays inside them, or are they well, just they veins? Theoretically, they could they could build like a artificial brain. I, I, I guess it's reasonable that they don't have the technology for that yet. Yeah. Um. So a crow comes and eats Marco, and I just like the Im we get this image of Marco demorphing inside of a flying crow's throat and bursting open the crow, and then falling with like the burst open crow next to him. While he's still like half spider. Yeah. Was it just convenience that he landed right next, right in front of Eric of all people, or what? Uh, they were looking at him as spiders, so the, the, maybe the coach didn't carry him that far. Was he? Uh, far enough to get away from everybody else there, but not far enough to get him away from Eric. Uh, well, it said Eric was like, "Oh, guys, there's nothing over here." So like, Eric was like pretty far away from everyone else. Like they were like scouting or something. I don't know. Huh. Hmm. Well. Uh, this is the same time where like. Some of the animals has have been eaten and then demorphed, bursting this creature open. But this time it was just like a bird. Last time it was an alien, but this time they kill a bird by demorphing, and it's really gross. Crows are really smart too. So like this crow was definitely like feeling the pressure in its throat and being like, "Whoa, what the what's going on?" And, you know, this, this crow was flying around. It was thinking about life and its children or and or family members, and and it, then it was dead. Lots of violence in this book. Mm -hmm. This book is very bloody. Some big muscular thing was crushing me, squeezing me. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't see. I was being squeezed and pummeled. That's him being swallowed. And while he's while he's about to die, um, he like he like tries to demorph and he's trying to picture the image in his head and he's dying and just like he flashes in his head like all the different creatures he's morphed and he's having trouble concentrating on who he really is. And he's having like a flashback of when he was a toddler, um, and his mother's like saying something to him. And I thought it was really sad how Marco can only be sure that his mother was really his mother when he was a toddler. Like he's not sure how long his mother's been a controller, so he he could only really think about his mother like when he was really young, know that that was really his mother. Oh, and we can put and in the very and what do you know in the very same book when he says, "I don't know when my mom was a controller and when she wasn't." We find out when she was a controller and when she wasn't. Wait, what? Yeah, we do. In the what? next chapter, Marco's dad says, like, we used to fight every now and then when we were younger, like most couples, but then it was as if all our problems were gone, settled. Maybe I had changed. Maybe she had. I don't know. It was like a year. So it was Mar his dad says a year and a half ago, like, suddenly, they just stopped fighting. And he said it was the... And I just thought this was very, like, wow, this is too, too bad for Marco. His dad says, it was the best time of my life. It was like we'd achieved some level of perfect peace and perfect love. But at the same time, there were times when your mom would seem upset, like she was struggling with some problems she couldn't tell me about. The time of your life is with the evil ensla ensla enslaver alien that's taking over your wife. It's perfect. He describes it as perfect love. Wow. Man. And, and all the while, like, Yeah. Well, Marco says, like, oh, like, it was just because, like, the Yurk didn't have time for petty arguments. Yeah, like, I found it very interesting. The Yurk was able to act out the parts of um, the mom that his dad liked, but not, but... I'm sure she was able to act out the things that he didn't like about her, but, like, she didn't, she didn't find any reason to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's this incredibly, and, Marco, and Marco's dad tells him about this one time when he woke up in the middle of the night and his mom was, like, his mom was sitting up in bed trying to like talk but having a really hard time and saying like 
they won't take you if you stay away from the military. And it was just, it's really creepy. It's a very creepy image. It's, it's, and, and it's like, what's happening is it's the real mom, uh, talk, like fighting for control and communicating to him and just saying, they won't take you if you stay away from the military. Like, and then his dad says the way she said it, it, like it was the hardest thing she'd ever said. Like it was the most important thing she'd ever said. Yeah. yeah. Really interesting that that was like the one message that his mom wanted to give to his dad. Like, well, yeah, she wanted to save him. Yeah. Yeah. Every time we've had like a, uh, controllers that have escaped the UX, they've always been like, I don't want other people to end up like me. Don't let this happen. Please, 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 please. Don't let this happen to other people. Like That's all that the controllers, uh, that the hosts have done with uh, when they've gained control so far. It's true. I, I think it's cool that the animals have been like trying to like give controllers hope because like uh, it happened with Melissa where like they gave a secret message to Melissa in book two saying, hey, you, you, your parents love you. I know. Um, who was being affected by the controllers. And then Jake gave a secret message to Tom, like over the phone saying, hey, Tom, I know you can do this, but don't give up. Um, so they're like trying to give people hope that like, yeah. They, and... Yeah. Uh, they can't really do that to Visitor 1 though. So that was creepy. I guess this chapter could have been cut out, but it was a good chapter. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it didn't like directly influence the plot of this book, but it was a very good chapter. Mm-hmm. So then, they go down to the Eric's. They they visit Eric's house, and he takes them down to this basement. And there's a like they have a whole dog park down there, uh, and also they reference Axe having thought speak in his human morph because they they know Axe is going into the house as a human, and then Rachel's like, "I'll be within range of Axe's thought speak." So, and and in I don't know if I mentioned this, but in book eight, Axe says, "Oh, when I'm a human in human morph, I am only limited to human speech," which doesn't make a lot of sense. What what it does? I don't remember that. That's that, that no, it's definitely a thing that that no. Cavalcade has brought this up multiple times that uh, X can't talk in thought speech when he's a human. That I think he's. I think she's only said that once. Has she? She said it once in book eight, and I don't. I don't remember ever saying it again. Hmm. Anyway, this book seems to directly contradict that, unless they unless they assume that X is going to be able to demorph in the house, which they don't know. So. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. He does demorph like as soon as he gets inside. So. Yeah, they don't know that they'll feel safe enough to demorph at any point. The reason he demorphed is because he felt unsafe. Because they already knew that he was an analyte, but he wanted to tell Betty. So he, he demorphed as soon as he got inside. Well, still. Maybe she just meant, like, close enough. Like, if Axe was like, okay, there's danger, I'm going to demorph, and then wanted to send a message. I just like to see this as them, as uh, her fixing that continuity error that we had. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it makes any sense that uh, Axe wouldn't be able to thought-speak as a human morph. Yeah. Well, I mean, none of the other humans can thought-speak when they're humans. Yeah, but that's not the morph. Like, that'd be like if you morph into a dolphin, and it's like, okay, dolphins are intelligent species, they can speak to whales, but that's the only thing they can do. Like, oh, you're right, because he's in morph. And when you're in morph, you always can talk in thought-speech. Yeah. Well, I, I think maybe maybe Capelgate just wanted an excuse to make him always talk as a human and then hijinks i think you you could you could say that the fact that he likes talking is enough yeah anyway i've noticed the other continuity errors that we've come up so far have been corrected really quickly or retconned rather as in like you know in the first book jake's you know jake talks to tobias and thought speak when he's a human and then in like the next book they say oh you can't do that so it wouldn't surprise me if like applegate is realized by now that that doesn't make sense 
And in the first few books, uh, Rachel like eats food with a, a standard human amount of teeth, and then later on, they gave her <laughs> uh, ten thousand teeth. Yeah. So uh, Eric tells them. Eric shows them like this freaking three D movie. How about the the history of the Pim- the Pimelites? Oh, I have a comment about Eric's basement. Okay. Uh, when when they all get into the basement and like they like go down the the basement elevator and the basement opens up, uh, Marco says, "My basement won't do this." And Jake says, "Have you ever tried?" And then that's it. Oh yeah, that's funny. Weird. I thought that part was like a weird. I thought that part was like not good humor. It, it said in previous books that Jake has a very dry sense of humor, and I thought that was I thought that joke was funny. It just seems like a joke that you'd come up with if you were like a. Sp- Learning English as a second language, and you were supposed, and you were trying to write a joke as part of practice. I would make that joke. I would absolutely make that joke. I think my basement doesn't open up like this. Although I'm not, I'm not entirely sure I'm smart enough to make that joke. <laughs> it was an amazing joke, to be natural. I don't know what you're talking about. All right. So they watched this 3D movie about how the Pamelites were really, 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 really cool, but then they died because these aliens called Howlers came along and killed them, and then. The Pemelites and this Chi, who are the robots that the Pemelites uh, built just to play with them. They, they went on spaceships. And I like the idea of, of an alien species that builds a bunch of robots, but then the, they're just they're just like more people. The robots are just like the same. The, the robots are just more people. With the, with, they're just equals. They don't like hate their creators or anything. They just love, they, they just love each other. They're just like best friends. I really like that. So I'm gonna be pronouncing. I'm gonna be switching between pronouncing it Pemolites and Pemolites, and that's. that's I just- pronounced it Pemolites. Actually, first I pronounced it Permolites, but then I realized there wasn't an R. Yeah, I was saying per- Permolites too, and then when Mustard gave the summary, I said, "Oh, it's 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 Pemolites, Pemolites." Okay, oops. I realized that while I was reading the book. I still always listen to the the audio books. From this point, and so the 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 book says the Pemelites are really advanced. I like the idea of they're being they're they're so incredibly advanced that they just don't fight and they don't even have weapons because they're just that advanced. Like that's that's pretty that's very optimistic. That's cute. And so Axe said that like literally every species has war. So is this like the one species that doesn't? Then? Well, I mean, the Andalites don't seem to know about the Pemelites, so maybe. Yeah. But also, they were ta- they were saying they were so advanced that they didn't do war. So possibly they did war before they became advanced. Yeah, that, that makes me hopeful. Whereas what what X said made me not hopeful. I mean, X X's the uh, the Andalites are primitive compared to this species, so it makes yeah. sense that X would assume everyone needs to have war. Yeah, these guys are like so many levels above it, even Andalites, and the Andalites are so many levels above us. It's like exponential. So the the chi that's the name of the robot is the chi, which means uh, I think it means friend. It means friend in their lang- in the Pemelite language. And the Pemelites and the chi escape like only a few hundred of them. So I assume the vast majority of chi die on the planet, and then only a few hundred. It says they escape like within seconds of the of the first attack because then the second wave of attacks comes second later. So I guess a few hundred are able to escape on spaceships really quickly. And then they come to Earth, or they fly around, and then the Pemelites die because they've been infected by germs uh, from the Howlers. But the Chi stay alive, and then they, then then they then they say that we uh, we grafted the essence of the Pemelites into the wolf species, and from that union, dogs were created. To this day, most dogs carry within them the essence of the Pemelites. Not all, but most. 
Whenever you see a dog playing, chasing a stick, running around, barking for the sheer joy of life, you see the remnants of the race of Pamelites. That a good chunk of this book is like, dogs are just the best ever, and I agree. That part was weird, I thought. I'm like, wait, so humans didn't domesticate dogs? Dogs are just part alien? That's all that is? Yes. I mean, well, humans domesticated the dogs, but only after the pem- only after the cheese stuck the Pemlites in them and made the wolves all happy and friendly, and then the humans proceeded to domesticate them. It's not really explained exactly what they did. It's like the essence, like the soul yes. the essence was transferred to... They like- used whale mammal. They used sea mammal magic. <laughs> Sea mammal magic. They put they put the Pemalite soul into the dog, and then it into the wolf, and turned into a happy wolf. This is really weird, like mystical. Maybe the whales are also like descendants of the Pemalites in some way or something. I don't I don't mind when there's weird mystical stuff that doesn't make any sense in these books. I think that's yeah. I, I secretly like mystical stuff. It's good the message. The book sucked. Just not when Cassie narrates it. <laughs> not when Cassie narrates it. And if Cassie narrated this book, she'd spend like. Literally half the book talking about how great dogs are. I mean, I won't lie. The part where the whale is, where Cassie's just getting the memories of the whale, and the whale is, like, describing how it views life, I thought that was probably the strongest part of the message for me. I don't know if I said that when we did this book. Yeah, I thought the whale was kind of cool. What? No, I, I thought that in the episode y'all hated the whale part. I was the one who was like, I like, yeah, like, these whales are good. I think everyone just didn't like how the whale saved them at the end, but I, I liked the whale's weird telekinesis thing. It was just really weird. So then Eric says, uh, I helped build the pyramids. And then the Animorphs are like, well, you, you designed the aliens designed the pyramids. And he's like, no, no, of course not. We, we were just slaves. <laughs> I like that variant on the aliens designed the pyramids kind of thing where it's like, oh, I don't even think of that connection. Aliens did help with the pyramids. Yeah, think about that connection. Dude, no. it was in the book. No, I didn't think oh, about well, how the connection like the series of aliens. Whoa, shut up. One of you. One at a time. We can both talk at the same. It's the same sentence. I, I didn't think about the association with the whole theory that the aliens made the pyramids. I, I didn't connect those two things in my head. I mean, there's a lot of people who are like, yeah, the pyramids were built by aliens. And I, I like that this book says, yes, they were, but like they were just the slaves. <laughs> well, it was only, I mean, it was built by aliens, but only as much as the humans did to build it. Yeah, yeah they, like, they like had to hide their strength because they're like way, way stronger than humans are, but they had to pretend to be just as strong as humans. So they... They're way, way stronger than bears. They're way, way stronger than like anything on Earth. Yeah, that makes me kind of think they're OP a little bit. And that's why Capligate had to say, oh, they can't fight though. They weren't programmed to. They're wimpy OP. Hey, if they were OP and also they could fight, then like I don't think the Yurks would have been a problem at all, ever. Like these books wouldn't happen. Well, they already have God in this book that, that turned Tobias into a human, and so anything can happen. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, why don't they just... No, I guess he can't. One of these robots killed an entire room of, like, like a couple dozen armed humans and hulk Bajiros in less than 10 seconds. Yeah, that kind of makes me think that Caplegate was being a little lazy with the way she wrote the last... the ending... Because I remember, I remember coming into like the last ten pages, being like, "How the heck are they going to get out of this one?" And then they're just out of it. They're like, "Oh, we're in the park next door, yay!" Like he, he, how fast could he program himself with that thing? That like, literally, they were all on the brink of dying, and then he just—I found it hard to believe. We don't know how much time passed from like Marco passing out to him getting the thing, and I feel like it wouldn't take a long to program it because it's like the most advanced like computer thing in the universe, or, like. I don't know if it says that, but it's very advanced, so I feel like you'd be able to program it pretty easily. 
he's a computer. I mean, well, no, that seems counterintuitive, but he's a. I mean, but I'll let it pass because he's a computer himself. So. so maybe just like downloading it. Yeah, maybe all he had to do was download it. He probably like already designed the make me be able to kill stuff program, and then he just like took that chip and installed it. I like how Eric is a relatable character despite being a OP millions year old robot alien from a perfect society. Hey, be natural. Um, didn't you say that this is the one that that um Applegate had a contest to name the character? I think so. I believe. I believe. I don't. I don't know what my source is for this. It's just a fact. I mean, a, f- a fact in quotes in my head. But I believe that there was like a contest to be named to have an Air Animorphs character named after you, and Eric King was the winner. Okay, uh, I don't have any other notes. So anything else? Yeah, be there's like else a huge part of this book with there's just like spider and bat espionage where they morph into spiders and go into this base and avoid lasers, uh, avoid like invisible laser beams. Hey, did anybody think it, it was kind of dumb how they just were like, "Oh, we can't fly back as bats." So let's <laughs> yes, turn yeah. Turn into biggest animals we can. I'm like, yes. if you're, even if you're bats, you can like stay small and hide in the corners and stuff. Yeah, that was dumb. Like you could avoid most of the tripwires, couldn't you? No, but setting off any tripwire would alert the whole everyone that they're there. So they wanted. They were like, "We know we have to set off the tripwires." No, basically, no what, what if they morphed into little bugs and crawled across the ground? And they couldn't get the the thing. But still, like they could have figured out some way to like grab the crystal and not have all of them die. Like, couldn't they, yeah? Did, could could the bats not like hold them in their feet? While they fly, yeah, or like I, th- I figured that was just what they would do. But they're like, nope, we gotta put it in the mouth. And like, even if one bat can do echolocation, can't the others like say, "Hey, fly there," or like, can't they, can one of them like hold another on his back or something? Anything, yeah, or like have someone morph into like a an ant and have the ant like carry the crystal on the bat's back, like or like build a little pouch for it. Jeez, yeah, this all there's makes so sense. many better ways to go about that than just, oops, guess we have to. Fight a bunch of guys with machine guns. Oh well. By the way, the reason that they they weren't able to do it is because they they had to use echolocation, or whatever. I don't know what it's called. If it's called something different for bats, but no, it's echolocation. The bats make a noise with a mouth that alerts them. Echolocation. Like, we know what it is. Maybe oh, everyone doesn't. Only echolocation for dolphins, or if it's like some other word for bats. I don't know. I don't remember if it's in the book. Um. Listen, when I was ten, I went to the library, and they and then we watched this video where there was a bat singing echo. Echolocation, so it's definitely echolocation. Uh, so they weren't able to get the emerald because they're like, oh, we need, we don't have hands as bats. They couldn't get the chaos emerald. They couldn't get that damn ca- fourth chaos emerald because their little bat bodies were too small. That damn chaos emerald. They have to hold the chaos emerald in their mouth, and they're like, oh no, now we can't use echolocation. So we spend about ten seconds thinking about this before being like, yeah, we have no choice but to use our giant morph so well. Yeah. They could have built a little pocket and wait a minute. Why didn't somebody just swallow it? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know how big it is. Swallowing is gross and they'd have to poop it back out. We do know how big it is. They said it was the size of a grape. It's small enough for a bat to fit it in its jaws, so it can't be that. Aren't big. bats marsupials? No. <laughs> no, they're not. I was just gonna throw that one out there too. No, they're rodents. Aren't they marsupials? I feel like I've heard oh. them. Okay, let's see. I googled, and it, Google specifically says bats do not have pouches like marsupials. So I'm surprised someone, like, apparently it's a common thing to think that they have pockets. That sounds like a very common thing. Yeah. Because the babies cling to their mommies, but they don't have pouches. Oh. All right. 
Why couldn't the animal just cling to the bat body? Um, like, it doesn't have one legs. Them, hey, hold on. One of them, one of them could have swallowed the thing and then clung to the other's body and then carried them. Like, there's no reason they, they could needed to give up here. Are we done talking about this book? What's next? Oh, um, I like. I was gonna say that Eric is relatable. I like how when when the animorphs are debating whether or not to help the uh, help the chi with the pemolite thing, with the crystal thing, um, they're debating about it. And Marco is like, "Yeah, maybe if you guys were able to fight, you wouldn't be stuck in this. You wouldn't just be sitting around here with a bunch of dogs in your big underground kennel." And like, I was like, "Wow, Marco, that's pretty mean." But then Eric says, "A big underground kennel, exactly." And I like how it's. I like how Eric is like this all-powerful robot thing by our standards, and he's not content with his lot, and that makes him very relatable for a robot. Yeah, that's kind of like I thought that was kind of like when uh, when uh, Marco just said, "Oh, acts Millie, okay, acts," and then he just like, "Yeah, fine, I'm acts." Like I, I assumed it would be a bad thing, but then just, no one gets mad at Marco apparently. No aliens. Also, I like how when the Animorphs are debating, Marco and Rachel are on the same side of helping the Chi become violent, which is, like, that's, that's cool. I mean, Marco and Rachel bicker a lot, but they're actually very similar in that they are, I guess, they're the, they are the most bloodthirsty of the group. Yeah, because Cassie was like, no, we can't make these people violent because, what, do you what, like, these things have been peaceful for, like, hundreds of thousands of years, and suddenly... We're going to be the ones to mess it up. And then it's like, oh, yeah, in history books, it's going to say, oh, yeah, these are peaceful. Then these humans broke it. And then someone was like, what, do you want to say in history books where, oh, yeah, these were peaceful, and then they died? Like, it seems just as bad. Uh, yeah, uh, Mar- Marco and Rachel are bloodthirsty, as I said, when, for totally different reasons. Like, Rachel is like, she likes the action, but Marco is just very pragmatic and doesn't want to waste time on morals, I guess. Was that a thing in previous books? Um, not sure. I guess he's always the one to like drive cars illegally. <laughs> Marco's dad then sees a gang, so Marco's obviously like the kind of person who would just fight people, or at least he looks that way. His dad assumes he is. All right, another quote here uh, about 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 the memory of about PTSD, basically. Win or lose, right or wrong, the memory of violence sits inside your head. It sits there like some lump you can't quite swallow. It sits there, a black hole that darkens hope and eats away at everyday happiness like a cancer. It's the shadow you take into your heart and try to live with. Poor Marco. Poor, all, poor everybody. Yeah, Marco's the one who seems to talk about, like, the experience of, like, the, just the torture of being an animorph and all the bad things they have to do and the mental effect on them. That's why I say he's most in touch with his emotions, because the other animorphs seem to kind of, like, hide it behind whatever else. But Marco, at least with the at least with the reader, like, maybe not so much with the other animorphs, but at least with the reader, he's very, like, direct about, yeah, we're all going to go insane. We're all messed up. Ax gets his arm chopped off. Oh, yeah, Eric Eric reattached Ax's arm. Which I guess, so I guess Eric is just so good at reattaching arms that it was more convenient to do that than to have Ax morph out and morph back. What like I said? Yeah, I, this kind of sounds like. Um, well, X was okay. Yeah, he was in his own body. It might have been like too hard for him to do. But like, th- th- this is really kind of starting to sound like Eric X Machina, which makes sense because he's a machine. No, my head canon for morphing because I don't think this was explained yet, but it makes perfect sense to me, especially based on what's happening in the book so far. Is that you, when you get hurt as a morph, you can morph back in your 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 own body, but your own body retains all of its like all of its injuries so like if you if you get your arm cut off when you're not in morph your arms cut off forever but you know the morphs themselves they always go back to normal 
That makes sense. So, another way where, where, where Eric is, I like how Eric is like not, he, Eric is naive about the effects of violence, basically. Like, he's never, he's never heard a thing in his life, and he wants to. He's had a long life. Exactly. He's had a long, long life, and he's never hurt anything. And now he's thinking, yeah, if, if we were able to fight, we'd be able to save the humans, and also dogs. And, um, and then he, and then, and then he gets the ability to fight, and he cries. And he's like, I'm nev- never doing that again. He's traumatized, and he asks Marco, how do you deal with it? Which I think is cool, because Marco's a freaking dumb kid, and there's this thousand-year-old alien robot thing asking him asking him how he deals with it he's like he's very nice in a way he's very naive and this is like eric's character arc well yeah and then marco says i don't know i just kind of forget about it after a while and then he's like well, i can't forget about it i'm an android can he like delete parts of his memory drive or something yeah how was that, that was I, I, I thought about that while reading and then i thought like well maybe he doesn't maybe he wants to remember because he wants to like because he doesn't want to let himself make the same mistake again oh that's yeah. a good point well, also, I mean, I could see that the I could see like the 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 Pemelites like not allowing them to erase their own memories either, because if they erase their own memories, that could allow them to break other rules. Well, he he'd be able. I think he'd be able to use the crystal to do it. But I think he was like, I'm never messing with this crystal again. It's yeah. And is anybody else really frustrated at the end where they just like threw it in the ocean? They're like, well, maybe somebody else will find it, but you need. Yeah, like guys, you could have done things with that crystal. If you if you're like yeah, it's too powerful to for anyone to have. At least put it somewhere where you know where it is, or like put it some. Maybe just have Tobias like find a hiding place for it. Well, it was this whole thing was treating dog. Uh, you know they've been talking about how the dogs have like the essence of the I forget what the aliens are called, but uh, Jake sees these dogs and he's like, oh, I, I, for a second I saw some intelligence in the dog. So Jake just gives the dog the emerald and then the dog throws it in the ocean. So he was like, yeah, yeah, that was, good. That was the best decision because it was a dog, and the dogs are Pamelites, so that means they know what to do with the emerald. Um, I, I still feel, I still would have rather they, I mean... I mean, it was stupid. It didn't make sense. Like, you know, why don't you wash it up on the floor the next day, and Visor 3 just picks it up? Exactly. Yeah. I was, that's what I was saying. Like, at least maybe give us a Tobias and have him go bury it somewhere, and somewhere where the rest of the Animorphs don't know where it is. So that that way, like only one person knows what it is, and he's not even. And I don't think the Yerks can infest Tobias. So I think that that way, it's basically a secret. But if they ever need it, then they know where it is. Like it tells Tobias certain secrets that they that they might not want the Yerks to ever have ever know. Oh, oh I didn't think of that. Yeah, they can like say Tobias, go find a hiding place for this crystal, to, but don't tell us about it because if we get captured, then the Yerks will know about it. Only you will know. And then if we ever need to go get it, you'll know. I think they didn't want to have it at all. Like, I feel like that's a common, like, it's it's the same thing in, at the end of Jumanji. They I, I'm suggesting it. they do exactly that by having Tobias. Yeah, and at the end of Jumanji, th- 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 there's, a, like, an end credit scene where somebody else finds it. So, <laughs> yeah. see how bad that, badly that worked out. They just throw it into the water. That's not a good idea. Anyone else could get it. I mean, they just, they, they, they trust the Pimalite souls and the dogs to know what they're doing. I don't. <laughs> Me neither. Just because the dogs are happy like Pemelites doesn't mean that they're going to be smart like them. They just they just described Homer running off with the crystal. It was like he was the dog just ran out into the ocean all happy like and then came back and he didn't have it anymore. Like all he did was run out a few feet into the ocean and drop it. 
Yeah, but he obviously knew what it was, so he obviously has... Um, remember, this is the same Homer who got sprayed by a skunk the last book, so... Yeah. yeah this is like a Pimolite crystal. It, like, bring it, he knows about it. Yeah, was that the essence of the Pimolite when he got sprayed by the skunk? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is like directly related to the Pimolite stuff. I mean, the, the tree... Air King says, yeah, mo- almost every dog has... Uh, the uh, Pimolite essence on it, but not every dog. So no, but these ones like recognize the crystal. What what does being sprayed by a skunk have to do with Pimolite? Nothing. But the- you don't know that he recognizes the crystal. Maybe you're just like, oh, let me grab that and put it in the ocean because he's a dog and dogs do. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, the ocean's really, really big. I think Jake's like, yeah, it's gonna be, it's not gonna wash up for like thousands and thousands of years because the ocean's so big and it's just gonna. You don't know that. It's only like twenty feet out. The ocean, the water pushes stuff towards the shore. It's not gonna. Go further out just and get closer to the. Yeah, deep. why don't they just morph into like a dolphin and drag it out there, and then like swim down to the bottom of the ocean and then shove it in the sand? They could have done that. They didn't though. Nope. But yeah, the the the, the Capricorn makes it sound all poetic or tries to when he's like, "Oh yeah, maybe someday the Pimolite crystal will wash back up on some beach somewhere. Maybe by the time it does, we'll be as wise as the race that created it." What a dumb thing to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We skipped over the whole spider espionage part, but it wasn't very important. They just turned into spiders and What else happens during that chapter? Uh they like go into a furnace and almost get burned, but they like run into a rat and it like the rat delays them for like a second. So then No no, the rat was chasing them and then they were yeah. trying to get away so fast that they rushed across the furnace and if they had taken longer and just went out at a normal speed, they would have been burned. Oh, I thought it was the opposite. No. Why would the rat make them slow down? Because they have to avoid the rat, and then they walk into the furnace a little bit, and there's all the to go back. No, they went across the furnace. They didn't go back towards the rat. Yeah, the part was boring and not very interesting, I guess. So we didn't. Talk it's just Half Life. I thought it was. I thought it was interesting. Man, I th- I just think being a spider would be so cool, dude. I'd rather be a spider than an ant. Yeah, yeah. If you don't want to be an ant, being a spider would be like cooler too. Spiders are solitary, so you don't have to worry about that hive mind if that's not what you're into. Okay, but what about like gorillas? Those are way better. Or dwarves, wolves, or uh... obviously those are for different functions. <laughs> I'm talking about if you have to be a tiny thing. Oh, okay. Obviously, obviously those are for different functions. And Marco wasn't about to show up as a gorilla to see if Eric was an android. Hey, why didn't they just turn into lobsters? Or I guess because they're in water. Because everyone... You know, people would notice a lobster just sitting in, in the open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're great, man. Uh, maybe the, thinking, uh... like, I hear mantis shrimp can see like way more colors than humans can. Oh, hey. Uh, so, in this book, there was a Nine Inch Nails concert that also had Alanis Morissette and uh, Offspring at it. I feel like you could figure out what town that is based on like figuring out when they were all in the same... Uh, I actually it's looked this true. up. Yeah. I looked this up. Uh, it, just based on like five minutes of looking it up, I think Nine Inch Nails like was on hiatus from uh, touring in 1997. Was this so? He was lying about the bands. That would make sense. Yeah. Or maybe this book is recounting events that took place. We're recounting events from 1996, which is also possible. Oh yeah. I, I think, was it bad or was it you who said that he just lied about the bands? I think that's reasonable. I said that. Yeah. Well, I thought you were saying that he lied to Jake. Okay. I... No, no, he's no, he's lying to the uh, to the um, readers. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, because he says, like, yeah, we changed, like, all the names in this book, basically. Yeah. 
So they weren't really playing a video game with with sleaze trolls in it. They were actually playing Sonic. They're actually playing Sonic. Yep. Maybe maybe he didn't have Sega at home. Maybe he had Nintendo, but he lied to throw us off the trail. <laughs> Are we done with the episode? I have one quote I liked. Okay. Uh, just uh, Rachel breaks through the door, and Marco says, "The door was splinters." It was steel, and it was still splinters. So just saying, Rachel's That like, was weird, dude. I don't think that's what steel does. If, have you seen a bear bake through a steel door? Maybe it just goes... Maybe it's because it scratched it up. Maybe. I don't know. Either way, that's impressive, even if it's... It totally sounds... I'm pretty it sure metal doesn't cool. splinter. Hold on. I'm going to look this up. I'm going it to sounds Google. cool, okay? That's what matters. Hey, come to think about it, in in Frozen, the um, the Hans's sword shatters, but that's an animated movie, so I'm not gonna say that that's realistic or anything. Yeah, she'd she'd pretty much need to have like special ice powers in order to shatter a steel door, but it still it still sounds cool when Marco says it. <laughs> it could have been some like alien metal that just looks like steel, but splinters. In a human building, I don't know if that's necessary. Wasn't it the building that was like guarding the crystal? Like this, it was like this is like they they had to use alien technology to protect it because it was this really really important alien. Oh, I guess maybe. Yeah. Oh, I wanted to say like I it uh, Eric makes sure like to say that not all dogs have the femalite essence. Yeah. I wonder if that's like so. So if any kids reading this like had to put down a dog because it bit them, they don't have to feel bad. Oh, jeez, that's darker than I thought. Well, I was just think I was just thinking, like you know, like people get bit by dogs. I was wondering if like any child, any person was traumatized by an experience with a dog, they wouldn't have to think like, oh no, the dog was actually a super advanced, smart alien, and I'm the problem. Are we done? Do we have any other notes? I don't. I ran out of notes a long time ago. I, I have like no notes for the last like five chapters. My last note says this book feels very average. Yeah, I thought it was average, like. While reading it, but then talking about it, I was like, "Yeah, it's pretty really good." But then, like, when we get to the end, I'm just like tired of it. Uh, I think it definitely deserves a thumbs up. It was like very like middle of the road thumbs up, I would say, because it didn't really have too many flaws. No, it didn't. I think the issue with this book is that it just it doesn't have any like fun, silly stuff. But I guess the previous book had so much of that, and this one's just kind of like. This book's mostly just plot, and it's a it's a fine plot, but it just it it isn't. It's a solid plot. Yeah, it's a solid plot. But like the the first book in the series had like where they're uh uh like riding on a go kart, running away from zoo guards, and that was fun. This one doesn't really have any fun like scenes that just look that just you could picture them in your head and it'd be silly. It just has some jokes and some plot, and that's it. Yeah, that was kind of replaced with the spider espionage. It wasn't yeah. silly enough. Yeah, that's just like crawling through vents. I've I've played Half Life. I've played Metal Gear Solid. You know, I've seen enough of that. The crawling through vents wasn't funny at all. It was just traumatizing. It was just action. There, there was no like lighthearted act. All the action in this book was serious. Man, I think I guess it was kind of cool to think about two spiders crawling around with three cockroaches, but that's about it. Yeah, we we've seen it. Same old. I, I liked how the fight scene ended with just this dude reprogramming himself and then immediately killing like 20 people in like five seconds. Someone said like, oh man, how are they going to get out of this? And it seemed like a cop out. But I'd argue like 
Applegate probably wrote the book with this scene in mind first, as in like, what if there was something that was so powerful it could take out the Yurks in seconds? And then, of co- and then of course, she had to write the fight scene leading up to that as being like, oh no, they're almost gonna die, because then that that would just show how powerful this whatever this android is. Well, yeah, and also that that you could call it, it came with consequences, like. Eric King is like traumatized now. He's like, I'm never going to do that again. But, and, yeah, exactly. It wasn't like a, you know, it would have been a cop out if Eric King was like, all right, sweet. All right, that's that's cool. Now I'm off to another planet now. Yeah, that would have been worse. It still didn't leave me feeling very satisfied, though. I think the thought of him killing 20 people in five seconds is satisfying. No, it just sounds a bit over the top. I like over the top. Yeah, that's that's how the characters feel too. Like you man. like over the top, yet you keep complaining about how there's guns and shooty lasers and stuff. Isn't just like hand violence? He just like freaking takes a pencil and kills. I don't know what he does. We don't see. No, it. no. I, I, mean, I mean, over the top is in like. Uh... Yeah. How? How? What did he do? He punched them out. He did something. I don't know. He took. He took out his robot. That's what he did. It was just like, oh, he did that. He put a bear in a headlock. He can do anything. It was so fast that humans, that animal senses couldn't process it. So nobody actually knows what he did. All he had to do was walk up to each of them one at a time, snap their neck, done. Nothing could stop him from doing that. Well, somebody that is- else could come up behind him. The humans all had freaking AR-15s. Yeah, but... Just- Anybody didn't overlook the fact that they had automatic weapons, but, the, but then, oh yeah, but then the middle-aged chick was like, oh, we can't, we can't because we might shoot the Pemolite. No, no, bullets aren't trying to stop him. He put a bear in a headlock. So... He's invincible, almost. He gets shot because he put a bear in a headlock. So, so you think a bullet would just kill this thing? Not a bullet, but maybe a lot of them. They would all just yeah. bounce off of him. If Tobias can avoid five, like if Tobias can avoid as a hawk, can avoid what ten people aiming Dracon beams at him. I think this freaking overpowered robot thing can kill a bunch of people. Maybe it can, but it's, it still just seems like yeah, that's overpowered and kind of silly. This wasn't silly. It was just like, okay, this is a really powerful being that will refuses to kill. That's yeah, it's kind of scary, actually. There's a, there's a, there, I mean, in the last book, the Yurks, the silly old primitive Yurks, put up a force field that they couldn't get through with. I mean, I, that they couldn't get through with um, heavy machinery. So I assume this guy can do something like that. Man, this book was so different yeah, than that. Book. He has to have a, he has to have a force field of some kind because otherwise, everyone would be able to tell he's a robot every time they touch him. So. I assume he already has a force field, and I assume he can make that force field really strong so that no no bullets can but get through. His them. force field would have protected him from the bus. So, so well, he was uh, he was off guard, and the bus yeah. was stupid anyway. So, 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 be natural. You're saying that he could just like dissolve. He could just like smush them against the wall in half a second with his force field. Yeah. Oh. I mean, it didn't mention. Did it mention that he was like covered in blood or anything like that? No. No, he wasn't even human looking. You can snap an egg and there's no blood. Yeah. Well, blood wouldn't get on this hologram. Oh, that's also a good point. Oh, I thought you meant like he, he, his human hologram had blood or something. Oh, I don't know. Hey, his human hologram can cry, apparently. Oh, yeah, that's cool, I guess. Our Marco was like, is he, is he choosing to cry or what? Yeah, because when Marco saw his eyes, he was like, man, I, I don't know if he's like on purpose showing human emotions with his face. I don't know. And then at the end, he's like, oh, he's crying. Okay, I guess he does then. Yeah, that, that was kind of cool. I just like humanized machines. This machine was so unhuman, though. It was just... What? He was very... Yeah, okay, the crying part was human. The, the, the being overpowered and just destroying everything in sight. No, less human. 
Well, yeah, that's what that's what's cool is like he's yes, he is a machine and he is he is like you know. No, here's the thing: him being human is unrelated to him killing everyone in one shot. Like him getting hit by a bus, that's him disguising as a human. He's hiding all his power. But when he was fighting the Ux, he was no longer a human at all. He was 100 percent a chi. He wasn't pretending to be human. He wasn't just hiding strength or anything. He was. Well, when I mean when I say human, I don't mean like literally a human. I mean like relatable. Yeah. Wait, hold up. So why couldn't so you're saying like he deliberately made himself weak when he was being pushed against the bus so he wouldn't like draw attention to himself? Yeah, he was in his weak form. The bus part was stupid. I don't know. Yeah, that's there. Um. One thing I liked about this book is the Animorphs actually, like, made, ha- provided backup. Like, they actually planned out people who would stay out of the missions and still be watching from afar. Finally. Yeah. I was so happy for them. I was like, oh, finally, you guys. You're, like, planning out who's going to stay out, who's going to sit out and, like, watch over the other ones t- in case anything goes wrong. Like, finally. Yeah, they're getting smarter. Like, like they could have definitely done that. They could have definitely stood to do that before, especially in book three. But uh, yeah, I mean, I guess this shows character growth, or maybe, maybe I mean, I can't, I'm not, I can't. I'm not sure if the animorphs are learning or if Capelgate just thought of it. But uh, either way, it's cool. Yeah. <sighs> I'm yawning. I'm yawning because I'm tired. Yeah, be natural. Sign off. Okay, I'm be natural. Yeah, we're all done, right? I, I'm yeah. done. We've been doing this for almost three hours. What? what? Oh, two and a half. Yeah. Okay. Oh, only two and a half. Oh, nine fifteen. I have I have two hours and twenty two minutes on my recording. Oh. Okay. Can we stop? Can we please end? This? I'm better. I'm better. I must have so long. I'm stir. Bye. Joke time. Okay, uh, maybe my uh, sign off should be joke time. Uh. Oh boy, this is what a joke. Uh, why did the cows buy a CD player? To listen to music? Oh, They love music. That's... <laughs>